and welcome to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here, where we ponder life from a biblical perspective, where salt makes us thirsty and light exposes darkness. Come, let's ponder these things together. Well, let me officially begin this by introducing you to my listeners, Joshua Noel from Whole Church Podcast. Welcome to Moments with Moni. Hey, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I've listened to a couple of your episodes even earlier today. Fantastic stuff. Really glad to be a part of what you're doing. Oh, good. Yes, and I've listened to <laughs> yours, and I enjoy it oh. as well. Oh, yeah. so I don't need to apologize? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not well, let's feel the need for something that I didn't hear yet. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you just, it was awful, whatever episode you listened to. I don't nope. Know. <laughs> nope. It was all good. All good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I see that you pull on quite a few people in different walks of life, which is always good. We, we do our best. We do our best. Um, you know, ironically, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we had our mission statement and then we started taking the mission. We originally had a mission and then we developed a mission statement, which caused us to take that mission even more serious. Cause we're like, Hey, we want to see the whole church whole again. Is it really the whole church? If we're only talking to our church though, and then, you know, you know things just took off from there. Yeah. Yeah. I have questions yeah. for that later. Uh, can't uh, wait. <laughs> yeah. This time for right now, I had invited you on to moments with Moni to ask you about your testimony. Um, I was going through a series of that right now on the show, and we'd like to know transforming stories in people's lives, uh, the before and after knowing Jesus. So I guess I should start in the beginning. <laughs> like, where were you born? <laughs> yeah, I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, funny story, I don't really remember Knoxville, Tennessee. We, we moved a lot. Um, I was born in Knoxville, my dad's born in, I want to say Lexington, Kentucky. I know it was in Kentucky somewhere. My mom was born in either Dublin or Pulaski, Virginia. My brother was born in Tallahassee, Florida. So, you know. All over the place. I just say the Southeast usually. Someone asks where I'm from. You know, Southeast America. And now you're in there. South Carolina. So are yep. the, uh, is the hurricane going to bother you? Um, sort of. I, I'm enough inland where we won't see much of the weather. But because, uh, you know, I mentioned to you my accident, I have a metal plate in my head. So some of the pressure coming in, that, that's what really affects me the most. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, that would yeah. hurt, wouldn't it? It's not fun, <laughs> but it's okay. Good. It's a reminder of what God got me through, right? Amen. I have a similar <laughs> story. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to hear that sometime. Okay. We'll have to do that. <laughs> so how old were you first when you heard about Jesus? You know, probably so young, but I didn't know. It was probably being spoken while I came out the womb. You know? <laughs> Just the way my parents are. You know, my dad's a part-time evangelist. Um, and our pastor at the time, I, I don't know if he was there when I was born or not. Mm-hmm. I know he's been there ever since my whole life. He's my godfather, was our pastor at the time. So he's just always been a really prominent part of my life. So just Jesus has always been around, <laughs> if that makes sense. It does. Um, if he actually got into your heart, your mind, your life, uh, there are a lot of people that have 
you know, are around Jesus all the time, but it doesn't really affect them in any way. So how did you get to the point where Jesus went from your head to your heart? It's a tough question, really. Uh, I would say really the first time I accepted Jesus into my heart, which people don't like this answer, I guess, because it's not exciting, but I was like four years old at my godfather's church. I was in a little children's church that I have in the back room. Um, I was actually just asked this on another podcast, the Traveling Stories podcast, uh-huh. and I didn't know the lady's name. I just knew she was married to a guy named Eric, so I asked my mom. So the teacher of the class was named Emily. So Miss Emily was teaching that class. I don't know what she said, but I remember I felt guilty, and then I prayed to Jesus, and I was saved. And that's just, yeah, obviously that's never the end of the story, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I was saving age as well, and a lot of my grandchildren too. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Sometimes I feel guilty because I don't really have this major, big story of transformation from such evil to walking with Christ, but it is a transformation story. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and there's more stories to it, right? They, it, it goes in stages. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm one of the people, you know, people might hold this against me, but I'm one of those people who believe in continual sanctification. You know, I, I think that God keeps working on me. That's that old song, right? He's still working on me. It's just very true. Yeah. But he, um, yeah. And for me, I think it's just kind of stages that hit me at different points where it's like, you know, I'm saved at a very young age and I had this idea of, well, everybody else should be saved. So here's how I do it. And for a long time, it was, I wanted to convince everybody that they were sinning and they needed to do better. And it was a lot of focus on how I was going to get them, mm-hmm. you know, because you're saved at three. That doesn't usually come with, you know, this whole school of theology that teaches you don't do that. <laughs> I was probably a very annoying kid trying to tell everybody to stop sinning because I just didn't get it. I was like, I just want you guys to stop. That's all. Yeah. Well, you know, God uses us all in different ways. <laughs> Who was it? And how did you react to the prayers of those that were praying for you to get to this point? I, I suppose it was your parents and your pastor at that time, right? You know, I was so young. I don't really know too much about that. I know since then, you know, they've always prayed for me. Uh, my grandparents have been a big part. What age were you when you finally got to the point where you noticed some of this sanctification starting to take place? And sanctification, I explain as b- being set apart from the world and to towards God. I remember it was one of the church camps I went to. I, we go to, a, I've gone yearly. Um, the one I've been a part of the longest is Camp Agape here in South Carolina. Someone spoke one year. Man, I wish I could tell you who it was, but I don't remember anything outside of this one speech, so I, <laughs> there's no way for me to figure out who it was. But they were talking about um, salvation, which I, I don't know how much I agree with it, but it's a cool analogy. They said salvation's like when you're cutting down a tree and you're getting all that sin out and you cut it out. But there's still that stump, right? There's still some root. There's still something there. And sanctification is kind of yanking that out. And then being filled with the Holy Spirit is planting something completely new there. I don't know how much I agree with it, but I like the analogy. And I definitely think there are truths in that. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So what have you been planting in that stump? Oh, (laughs) man, mainly that stump has been kind of keep going out. So I feel like each time something pulls at it, something different kind of enters in that spot. You know, different points, major factors t- taken apart. Whenever I was in Charleston, I guess at the, that time, I'm trying to think exactly where I lived at the time. A lot of different tragedies and stuff kind of was taking place in my life. And I 
really got to a point where I was a little bit broken up by different things. Uh, one specific one I remember, there was a girl from when I lived in Wilmington. I, I told you I lived all over the place, but <laughs> I lived in Wilmington, North Carolina. And a girl got saved in that children's church. And I found out when I was in Charleston that uh, she ended up, something happened with her family and she ended up passing away at a very young age. I think she was like 12 years old. And that was one of those moments that really just kind of yanked at the roots, you know, yeah. and kind of made me question, wait, what am I doing here? I thought, you know, I had this mission. Here's how I was going to do these things and people were going to turn to God. And I looked at that and went, there was nothing I could have done. You know, I couldn't have stopped that from happening and couldn't have, made anything better. And, you know, honestly, I still struggle with that. There's a lot of guilt associated with it for me. But at that point, you know, I realized maybe it's less of me, right? Maybe it's more of something else. And I kind of started seeking God's heart a little bit more there. And that's when I was going to Charleston Southern University. And I had a professor there who was speaking a lot of things into my life and had me thinking about the early church and how that church was different from our church now. Not digging at our church now, but just thinking about where's the mismatch and what could we do better? I mean, we could always do something better in pretty much anything you're doing. He talked a lot about the early church and, you know, different home church group movements, which I'm a huge part of, not a huge part of, I'm a huge fan of. But that's not wasn't really my biggest takeaway. My biggest difference that I saw between the early church and what we had was the early church, it was the church, not the Pentecostal church and the Baptist church and the Methodist church. And, you know, they didn't have all these different denominations on one street. They had the church. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about, man, what happened from there to now? And yes, there was difference of opinions and people will say, well, you know, different theologies develop. You look at Paul and you look at James and eh, it seems like they might've had some different thoughts and things as well. You know, <laughs> like they weren't perfect either, right? They didn't always agree either, but there was one church. And the more I examined that, that's sort of where I think God's heart was at for me in my life. Rather than me doing all these works to save everybody, it was God saying, Hey, what about my people who are already there? What about what I wanted the church to envision? What about my vision? And I'm like, okay, God, but I can do it. I'll just do it myself, right? And even at that point, I think I tried to do it myself. I started my own Bible study and I was like, okay, I had a whole mission plan on what I was going to do. I told you about the block site. We started that up. We started a Bible study in Charleston with, I had a pretty decent following. And I was going out and bringing all these people in and saying, okay, hey, Let's all get people from different denominations and have one Bible study. Let's have this one blog post that has different people writing with all these different perspectives. And I was still trying to make it happen. And that's when I had my big car accident, which was probably the thing that took the most of the old me how, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or how long did the did it take to recover from your accident? <laughs> In some ways, I think I'm still recovering, really. So I had one collapsed lung. I had a significant head injury. I shattered my femur. I pretty much died. Um, And I lost my sense of smell. That was just a random one. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, so I was able to start hiking again, which they didn't think I'd, they told me that I might never be able to hike or run again. Mm -hmm. So I was hiking again within like six months. And uh, I probably started running again for the first time a year later, but I'm still working on that. Now my run you might be able to call it a run. You might be able to call it really fast limping. You know, you know I'm, I'm not sure what you'd call it. Um, it was about three and a half years where I, my sense of smell was just not really, you know, it was mostly gone. Sometimes it would come back and I'd be like, oh, I can smell. And like, for a long time, it was a really big deal. It was, it was kind of funny. I remember when I first started dating my wife, well, you know, I wasn't dating her as my wife. When I first started dating the woman who would become my wife, we, uh, 
I would tell her just sometimes, like, hey, hey, guess what? What? This is one of the days I can smell. Yay. <laughs> and I would like, I'd just be like, let's go to a bakery and let's go to a garden and <laughs> I just want to smell everything. But now it's, now it's pretty much all back. So it's, I still like the smell of the bakery and flowers a lot more than I did beforehand. You know, you don't take things for granted as much, but. You're sitting upright. You are speaking. Your brain is working. I'd say that's a big win. Oh, yeah. No, it's. It really is incredible. Even the other guy's lawyer, ironically, whenever they were going over the details of the accident and everything, and we were sitting down for the the other guy's lawyer, you know, it's one thing if your lawyer said that. When the other guy lawyer, he stood up and he said, you know, it's a miracle this guy's alive. I was like, Mm. yes. (laughs) Amen. Amen. God took care of you, didn't he? Yeah. And I mean, I I feel like if there was ever someone you would least expect to say it, it would be that guy. (laughs) So... You know, that, I think that speaks a lot. Yes, it does. Well, God has more work for you to do on this earth. Yeah, that's actually, a, it's it's funny you say that. And Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, whenever I went in for like second or third brain operation, brain surgery, whatever, mm-hmm. um, they put me under. And I remember very vividly had this sort of dream and I I don't want to give too many details out because it involves other people's lives. But basically um, one of my best friends, I saw something tragic happening in his life and God saying, Hey, if you were to go, he would have to take over your ministry while going through this. Do you want that? And I just being like, no, there's still more work to do. And I remember like, I felt like I consciously made that choice that there was still more work to do. And here I am in that tragic thing happened exactly the way I dreamed it. So I was like, well, I guess there's still more work to do. As long as we are alive, there's work to do. Moses never got to retire. No, no, there's no retiring from ministry, really. No, (laughs) we just have to refocus our energies in a different way. If we don't have the full physical thing, now you're using your time, your energy for this podcast. Now we're going to refocus and use all of our energies towards this podcast that you're doing. Yeah, um, I want to say sort of, just because, you know, again, and it's something that I just struggle with, so I, I think it's just a technicality, but because I struggle with it, I feel it need to distinguish. Before the accident, it was my ministry, and I was doing my story. Now I feel like this podcast, it's God, and he's allowing me to, and I would even say supernaturally giving me the energy. Like, I really don't think a lot of the stuff said, a lot of the energy I have to put into this, a lot of what's done, the people who've been willing to come on, I, I don't attribute it to myself at all. You know, like, God's just doing amazing things, and I'm just really honored that he's using my vessel to do it. Anything dumb said is probably just me. <laughs> <laughs> I know those moments. I usually edit yeah. those out <laughs> if I catch them early enough. <laughs> Man, I, I wish I was smart enough to edit them out. <laughs> I'm oh, just like, yeah, someone else will find it funny. I'll leave it here. So I noticed that your the title of yours is The Whole Church Podcast. And I see that you have um, people from all different denominations or areas of different religions that, that come on. I know that as a believer, we speak of unity within the church. Yeah. So where do you draw, do you draw a line somewhere when it comes to unity or do you include all of them within that sphere of unity for the whole church podcast? How do you handle that? Well, we've, we've talked about it before. And 
there's one thing that it's, it's sort of like a side mission of ours, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a verse in Hebrews where it says, do your best to be at peace with all men. So we always try to look at that. The people that we don't feel like we can be united with, we still want to think, okay, so even if we can't have Christian unity with them, which, you know, the word unity means oneness, right? So mm-hmm. we can't be one with someone who doesn't agree with the fundamentals of Christianity. Yes. But we still have to think, how can we be at peace with them? It's sort of like our side mission is to, we still want to consider that. But primarily, yeah, we're focusing on unity within Christianity, within the church. To us, um, we use a kind of a tier system. I think it was episode 11 on our podcast. It's tribalism and idolatry talk. It's, um, it's, it's the most, it's the one that we reference the most. So it's the only reason I remember the number of that. <laughs> but one of my old professors from Charleston Southern, he talks about, you know, there's different tiers. There's this first tier issues are these things where we have to agree on this if we're going to call in another brother and sister Christians at all, right? And that's going to be stuff like the triune God. That's going to be stuff like Jesus literally came down, died for our sins, and came back. Um, stuff like the Bible is inerrant, right? There's certain things that we have to, we absolutely have to agree on, or we can't be at unity. Um, I mean, the Bible, some people might argue with me about the inerrancy of the Bible being one of those, but what we know of Jesus, you know, the person that we're all supposedly following has to come from the Bible. So if we're not going to say that that's inerrant, to me, that's taking away this Jesus that we're all one with. So I think that that would be one of those things I would say is fundamental. But then there are second tier things where, you know, maybe we couldn't go to the same church service, but we would still call each other brother and sister. And then there's the third tier where we could even go to the same church and disagree. Uh, me and my brother disagree pretty heavily on, you know, Calvinism and Arminianism and when it comes to the doctrine of the elect and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. Okay. That conversation's <laughs> going on. <laughs> well, it's really funny. He's, um, I want to say he's a lot more passionate than me about it. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, just by my nature, which helps with the podcast, I'm a lot more inquisitive. So it's really fun when you hear someone, two people arguing, where one person's method of arguing is always to ask more questions. Mm-hmm. And the other person's method is to just attack. Yeah. <laughs> so, it just, it's a really fun dynamic. Um, if he had more time, we'd probably have our own podcast. Well, maybe there's an episode in the future there for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's coming. <laughs> Good. Well, it's just the same as uh, whether you're, you've got guests on your show or neighbors in your own neighborhood. We're all in different places in life, come from different life experiences. And it's just good to get them all together and talk. Oh, yeah. Well, and what's, what's fun, and I'll be honest, what's dangerous, and it also just happens to be what's fun. We like to get these other people from churches on, and a lot of, a lot of times, you know, even when we do our research, we don't fully know what's going to be said, right? Mm-hmm. So we go into a lot of these people, and it's the first time we talk to someone from a certain denomination or a certain church where we're like, our goal is to ask these first, second, and third tier questions to see if we can be united, because we don't really know that going in, which, you know, comes the danger, because what if we ask a first tier question and they disagree? You know, I don't want to be on the podcast and be like, well, we can't be united. That was it, guys. <laughs> you know, so, you know, sometimes we run into those things, and that's when we kind of shift the, our focus into how do we still make peace with all men? Mm-hmm. So we kind of go down there and see how united we can be. And it's just kind of a, not a game, but you know, a lot of our episodes end up being this inquisitive, let's figure out how united we can be with these people. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think listeners would be very interested at that point. What does that look like when you get to that point and you find someone that doesn't agree with you completely? How do you handle that? Oh, man. So that's where I'm very thankful, A, for the Holy Spirit, right, (laughs) and his guidance, and B, for my co-host, TJ Blackwell. I usually call him Tiberius on the show just because I think it's funny. But um, there's a whole story behind that. But he, uh, He is the... I won't say sound mind. He's the one who will say, Hey, let's, it's funny. Cause you know, especially now that we're doing more calls through zoom, I'll get like a text on my phone. Like, hey, Josh, please don't go there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, I run into something and um, I, I want to actually, if you don't mind, I have a really specific example. We were, um, go right ahead. We were talking to a Catholic believer and the issue came up of salvation and works and how, you know, they believe got men, working with God to get salvation through Christ still and through faith still. But I was like, wait a minute, through works. <laughs> so, you know, I start asking all these questions from like, what about this? What about this? And if you listen to that episode, you'll hear at some point, DJ goes, well, you know, we still believe this Josh, right? So at the end of the day, if we're going to believe Jesus and do the works. And I was like, but look at phone text, don't go there. All right. <laughs> And yes. you, you probably, if you listen close enough, you could probably hear those times where I stop mid sentence or something. And uh, that's because I got, I got the TJ nudge. That's what I'll call it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not the Holy Spirit nudge, the TJ nudge. Right? <laughs> well, usually the Holy Spirit's a little bit more subtle. <laughs> you, you won't hear the pause as much then. <laughs> I was doing some research for uh, one of my shows. And as I'm reading through the Bible about um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. I've heard that so many times. I've lived that, I thought, so long. But it's to love the Lord your God with everything within you. And then love your neighbor as yourself. If we're supposed to love God as with everything and the most, then loving ourself is at least one step below that. Because you know we love ourselves. So we're not going to be loving our neighbor as much as we are God. We should be loving our neighbor through our love for God, for his word. So there are, to me, that shows me the borders, the outlines of what we are and how we are to love others. Um, There's so much talk these days about unity. And that's Mm -hmm. why I was interested in talking to you about that. The unity sometimes goes beyond what the unity in Christ should be and looks more like you can do whatever you want and I'll be okay with that. But I don't believe that that is exactly what God wants us to do. The truth in love is something that we're supposed to share with others. Yeah. Um, you agree with that? Oh yeah. Uh, sort of, you know, being a podcast that's primarily about church unity, we end up hanging around Galatians, or Ephesians 4 and 5 a lot, sorry, excuse me. I was just looking at Galatians because something else I wanted to say. <laughs> but uh, we look at Ephesians 4 and 5 a lot. And, uh, you know, those are, you know, the book of Ephesians is Paul telling, writing a letter that says, hey, this is what church is. So if you ever wondering what the church should look like, that's what the book of Ephesians is. It's Paul telling us what the church should look like, right? And uh, 
in his description of unity in chapter four, he talks about, you know, all these things that we should be doing together. One of those things is what? Instructing one another in truth. So that's, I believe that that's part of unity. And, you know, that's also part of why I think it's a tier one issue when we talk about the inerrancy of the Bible. Yeah. We don't agree on the Bible. How can we instruct one another in truth? Yeah. We don't agree on what truth is. We can't do that. Yeah. And he gives us, what is it? The, uh, the gifts, the pastors and, uh, uh, all of the teachers and all those things until we all grow up into uh, the maturity of the faith so that we're all in unity in the same way. Just like um, the tent makers that came alongside someone who didn't know the complete word of God. He was kind of off in one area. He was preaching yeah. off a little bit. So they came alongside <laughs> him, kind of taught him and said, you know, this is actually what the Bible says. And it, it was a helpful way of helping him mature to be more sanctified, to be more set apart, to know the word better so that he can teach it better and properly. Oh, yeah. And even, you know, me being Pentecostal, I always had to talk about spiritual gifts at some point, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, even within that, you know, the spiritual gifts, what's really fun for me is if you look at First uh, Corinthians and Acts, you'll see someone prophesies to Paul. And says, if you go to Jerusalem, the Romans are going to capture you. And what happens is Paul goes to Jerusalem and the Jewish leaders capture him. So was that prophecy wrong? Or was that guy just not quite hearing God fully? You know what I mean? And I think that's, it's just one of those passages. It doesn't speak clearly on what happened to that situation. But it does make you wonder if that could happen then, that could still happen now. And we still have to practice and we still have to work in the gifts of the spirit, talk to one another in love and learn how to basically be better Christians, right? Yes. <laughs> or better be the church. Yes. Um, so you were talking about uh, the love your neighbor and all that stuff. And I, I did want to read a verse if it was okay. Go. Yes, absolutely. I, I just love the Bible. So it's a uh, Galatians five. I'm sorry. I have the verse numbers turned off on my phone. So I just read it as a whole. So I don't know what, what verse this is, but it's in Galatians five. Uh, it says, it didn't used to be there anyway. It's okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. Paul will forgive me. <laughs> uh, for you are called to freedom, brother. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh or to sin, but through love, serve one another. And I think that's, that's how you correct that. How do you not just do what you want and sin? Well, you remember that it's through love we serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's just, uh, that's just, Galatians 5 is just one of the most powerful chapters of the Bible for me personally, that's kind of affected my walk with Christ. And I think that's how I look at it is, we're going to get closer to unity as we obey the law that is fulfilled in loving one another. And sometimes what that looks like is telling people, hey, you, you got to change that. You can't do that. And that's what pastors are for, right? My pastor has told me more times than I care to admit how many times he's like, ah, Josh, can't say that guy. <laughs> and there, there's been actually a lot of things where he's told me, you might be right. Keep it to yourself for now, though. <laughs> and, you know, so, sometimes you got to learn to trust your pastors. <laughs> and um, I, I'm still learning that. <laughs> you know, the image that I, I think I think it was in our very first episode my pastor was on. And um, he talked about this, the image of, you know, we're all getting closer to Jesus. And for everyone else who's trying to get closer to Jesus, as we're loving one another, as we're imitating him, we just find ourselves united anyway. 
And that, that's sort of my, I think the biggest litmus test for me is, are you trying to get closer to Jesus? Because if you're trying to get closer to Jesus, even if right now I wouldn't consider us united as one church and as Christians, I know we're getting closer to it. And that, that's what I, where my heart is. Yeah, I think that's a good place to be. It sure doesn't look like that when we look outside the, <laughs> the window. Oh, yeah, that's, um, well, you know, on the plus side, that means my podcast won't end anytime soon. <laughs> We've got plenty of work to do. We, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I but, can't remember how to say that. Uh, we have job security. There you go. <laughs> In Christ, we have job security. Oh, yeah. As long as we're all still arguing, you know. <laughs> Oh. No, that's that's awful. That's awful. I, I don't wish that at all, but it is the reality, right? And it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's something where I, I do caution myself and everyone with this, right? Because we all look at this and I've heard people say it on the podcast and because, you know, I try to be a polite host, I don't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. You know, where you say, there's never going to be unity. We always have something to disagree about, right? And to an extent, you're right. But also, we're going in with that mindset instead of the mindset that what was the one thing Jesus prayed about that we could do something about? It was Jesus praying that all of his believers would be one as him and the father are one. So when I think about that and I think about the power of the Holy spirit and we got to believe that and we got to pray for that. Does that mean it's going to happen tomorrow? Maybe not. Does that mean I'm not going to try? Nope. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to pray for it and I'm going to believe in it. We can only be responsible for ourselves and then share from there. That sinfulness, selfishness always stops us from getting further along. I'm studying through the covenants right now, the biblical covenants. That's a challenge. (laughs) Well, I taught through it a couple of years ago, and just rewriting it to make it into a podcast is quite the challenge, yes. But it helps us understand um, that these times during history are covered by a particular promise, and it helps us understand that there are different people groups that are being um, spoken to by God and have co- promises with him, whether they be conditional or unconditional. And our job right now as believers is to bring a bit of the kingdom out into the world. It, it used to be that the earth and the heaven were overlapped at the Garden of Eden. And then as Adam sinned, sin came into the world, kind of separated. He had to take them out of the garden, put them into the world, and tell them to multiply, subdue the earth, take care of it. It's your responsibility now. And instead of destroying Adam and Eve, he left them alive on the earth. And each time the earth bloomed with sin so much again he made another covenant rather than destroying us because god loves us and wants us to wants to use us to bring others into the kingdom of heaven into his presence forever for eternity into unity so as we like you're doing stepping out into the world sharing christ's love with others whether they uh, believe the Bible or not, we don't have to live in that same huddle. We have to reach out to people, to our neighbors that don't know Christ or that believe differently than we do so that um, the Holy Spirit can work through us, just like you said, to bring others to, them at, uh, to that maturity and unity in Christ. 
Oh, yeah. And to further what you're saying, to kind of clarify what I was talking about, um, mm-hmm. yeah, with, with that, when you were reaching out, you know, I, I talk about it like, you know, the Bible says to be, do your best to be at peace with all men. That doesn't mean you don't tell people about Jesus. It doesn't mean you don't tell people, hey, uh, sin is sin and we can do better, right? Jesus was Jesus. So obviously he did his best to be at peace with all men. And yet he would heal people. He would work for people and help the community. And when he did, he didn't just do it. He said he would do it and say something along the lines of, okay, now get up, sin no more, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, I helped you. Remember that, <laughs> you know, it right. was sin no more. And that is still an important part, but the world isn't going to see the need to stop sinning until they see the power of holiness. And, um, yeah, so be at peace with everyone, but also live holy lives and instruct and spread the gospel. You know, Jesus's great commandment, go into the world and tell everyone, everyone the gospel. So we have to tell everyone the gospel, which is that we're all sinners in need of a savior. A savior came and died, rose again. He was Jesus, who is also God. And if we believe in him, one day we will all be together on a new earth and a new heaven and live in eternity. But we have to tell people that. We have to tell people, hey, we're all sinners deserving of hell. Tell them that and also be at peace with everyone. Not an easy task, but that's the task we're given. And as you're doing that, do you come, does um, opposition come towards you like it did towards Jesus? Are, Are you noticing that in your life? You know, probably not to the same extent as Jesus experienced. Okay, I won't put you on that same level as Jesus. <laughs> but I would say maybe I, my question it was kind of going towards your accident. Do you think that that might have been an attempt to keep you quiet? Mm. Stop you from sharing God's word? You know... It's allowed me to speak to so many more people than I would have, right? People give you the opportunity to speak, to talk about how you were miraculously saved from God. So I was able to speak to people I don't think I would have been able to speak to before. And I remember one time, and this is, I want to say, well, okay, I'll say second most. This is probably the second most frustrated I've ever been at God. And anyone who's been a believer for an extent of time understands what I mean and will give me some leeway. We all get frustrated with God. If you're a newly believer, you might think I'm a crazy person. Yeah, just read the Psalms. You'll see it all over it was the night before my last brain surgery, the big one, where, which is, you know, they cut off part of my skull and put a plate in and it was a whole huge ordeal, right? Well, and the night before together, that. together, I don't see any stitches. That's good. <laughs> it's, it's in the hair somewhere. Uh, it's, actually, you could feel a dent in here. My wife likes to do that. She thinks it's funny. But it, also, <laughs> she, she, she'll she feel it and then she'll do that whole like. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, it's good. I'm I'm super ADHD. I, I could do this all day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the night before the biggest brain surgery, I um, I was awake in the middle of the night, and it wasn't like I was worried or anything like that. I was on all kinds of pain medicine, and I should have been asleep. You know, I think they even gave me serotonin or something, and I just could not sleep. And I, you know, I was praying. I was like, God, why am I not asleep right now? I really should be asleep. And God, just very clear, like very clearly, when I was praying, I could hear you know in my head. Pray for that guy in the other room right there. God, I don't want, you know, like at that point, I'm like, listen, I got my own concerns, right? You know, the me, the Joshua in me was saying, shut up, go to sleep. 
God was saying, I'm not going to let you do that. So, so there I was. I was up in the middle of the night, started praying for that guy. God eventually led me to pray for the guy who hit me. And um, I was able to, I won't give too many details because you don't tell the people's business, but I was able to do some, what I believe was ministry for him and his family even. And God used every ounce of it. Um, one thing that was really, that's really fun whenever I was able to speak at a couple churches and give the testimony of that accident was how I knew me, right? Me in that situation, just Joshua. If you know, if you had JJ, just Joshua in that situation, he is afraid. He is angry and he wants to get as much money from this as possible, right? <laughs> Cause that, that's just Joshua. But instead what I had was, I was constantly making jokes, which is fun because when I preach, I tell everybody the jokes. Like uh, they had to shave part of my head bald and I was in a wheelchair because my femur was thing. So I went around telling people I was Professor Xavier for a while. It was great. <laughs> you know, I had stuff like that. Um, I met an intern named JD, JD. So I asked him where Dr. Cox was. You know, everybody who's fans of Scrubs. And I, I was just constantly making jokes all of the time. That's not Joshua. That was someone else filled with the joy of the Lord. Mm. And I remember very clearly hearing, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, joy, peace, sound mind. And I was like, all right, then, cool. And that, that's exactly what I had. You know, I had all this peace, this joy, and that wasn't me. And it was so powerful. When you look at yourself and you go, that wasn't me. It's the most reassuring thing possible because it makes you think, well, at the very least, at that point in time, God was with me. <laughs> I like to believe he is still with me. <laughs> so nothing was wasted. None of that suffering was wasted on your end. That's good. Oh, no. No, God, uh, God gave me a voice that just wasn't my own, and I'm just so thankful for it. And it was, um, I don't know, it was, in most ways, it was a very good experience. I think anything that, you know, I would maybe label as negative wasn't until well after all of that stuff, you know, the effects afterwards of, you know, trying to get my smell back or relearning how to hike and all that, that, that was the challenging part. But during it, God was with me so powerfully that it, it was just almost a good experience. Yeah. 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 Good. I have a few more questions. And before we end here, if you died tomorrow, what would you spend your moments doing until then? Like if I knew I was going to die tomorrow? Yes. Well, I would try to explain to work why I wasn't going to come in that day. And um, hopefully they accepted it. I, I'm someone who really believes in honor. So if they didn't accept it and still wanted me to come in, I guess I'd go to work. <laughs> but I, I'd like to believe they would accept that. And I would uh, tell my wife to do the same. And I think I would just spend the last day with my wife, praying over her and kind of figuring out where God's going to lead her and send her next because I won't be around for it. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And another one, do you, or do your beliefs that of the view of end time theology, does that affect the way that you live your life now? And how does it affect it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I noticed you asked that of a couple other people too, right? And, well, you um, noticed. I like that question. It's <laughs> a good question. It's a good one. I, I might have to borrow it sometime. Okay, go right ahead. <laughs> but yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I'm really big into uh, hermeneutics and, you know, how we study and read the Bible and the literature of it specifically. I love thinking about why the Bible was written the way it was and how it was written, what kind of literature it is. I just find all that fascinating. 
So when I think about all the end time stuff, I realize that was written to a certain people to affect their life right then, which means it should still affect my life right now. It wasn't simply written so that we could know what would one day happen, right? So when I think of that, and I really think of what was God trying to say at that point and apply it to my life right now, I mean, it does, it does, to me, changes everything. My grandfather's Bible, I, I inherited from him when he passed away. I could never find anything highlighted in it for the life of me. And I really wanted to find his markings. And there wasn't really any notes in it. And I was super disappointed. But I used that same Bible to preach my testimony with the accident. So naturally, I opened up to Isaiah, I, I believe it's 27.1. And you know what verse was highlighted in my papa's Bible? No. <laughs> Isaiah 27 verse 1. And I was like, all right, that's some cool stuff. Thanks, God. But, That's yeah. amazing how he works, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I have a few Bibles that are all marked up and, and there's some family members that already have their eye on that when I go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're just waiting for it. Huh? Yeah, no, well, he, not waiting for me to leave, but yeah. No, that's <laughs> fine when you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I got that, um, some notebooks and different stuff. So, you know, it's not like he didn't have any notes. Just And that specific Bible happened to be one that he just got. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there wasn't a whole lot in it, but there was that which was, um, you know, he's still teaching me stuff well after he passed. Yeah, that's oh, precious yeah. to have that line, that heritage, oh, yeah. that legacy, and you can pass it's, it on to your family. Oh, yeah, it was but a fun I, conversation. Yeah, I've enjoyed my time with you. Thank you. But I do have some questions that I'd like to ask you on a little lighter. Um, I, I like lighter questions sometimes. <laughs> good. I didn't, I hope I didn't get too heavy with you there on those. Um, listen, I, I can do that all day. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you seem to handle I might that. have to stop for dinner, but. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll let you go in just a minute. Name something, if you would, please name something that makes you smile. Mm, I feel like it's a cop out to say my wife. So let me say, today, I'm going to talk about this again on my podcast. People are going to hear me say this more times than I want. Today I learned that Colonel Sanders' first job, which for those who don't know, KFC is one of my favorite places just ever. His first job, Colonel Sanders, was working on a railway, which trains are one of my other favorite things ever. So I just, it's just such a cool coincidence. It made me smile today, so. No, I didn't. I guess that, that counts. Yeah, we'll we'll take wife and Colonel Sanders train at the same. Yeah. Yeah. Wife, Colonel Sanders trains, blueberry pie, they all make me smile. Okay, then. <laughs> What What is your personal motto? My personal motto? Yeah, do you have one? Hmm. You know, it's, it, am I allowed to use a Bible verse? Absolutely. Ah, so I'm going back to Galatians 5. Okay. Galatians 5, verse 1, Jesus says, or Jesus says, Paul says, you know, Jesus is the word. So, you know, Jesus sort of said, Yes. <laughs> Paul said, um, it is for freedom. He set us free. Therefore, no longer live in a yoke of slavery to, you know, sin or whatever, lawfulness, whatever. Um, you know, in the book of Galatians 4 and 5, he's talking a lot about the law and a lot about sin. So I think it's both things. So for me, that's sort of my motto is live in freedom and not in a yoke of slavery. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's great. Okay. How about, do you have a hidden talent? Mm. Um, may, maybe a few, you know, I'm trying to think of one that would be interesting to people. 
uh, I'm really good at rolling burritos. I worked at Chipotle for a long time. I'm an excellent burrito roller. Oh, that's also, a So you make dinner for your wife once in a while? Oh, I cook all the time. I'm actually, I make biscuits and gravy. My family's from Kentucky. Uh-huh. So that's, that's her favorite. She'll joke and say, that's why she married me was for the gravy. I was like, <laughs> all right. That's a good thing. Person who can make a good gravy is really important. Oh man. Yeah. Especially in the South, man. Yeah. That's it's right. kind of like a badge of honor, right? Uh-huh. Well, I think the best thing was uh, when she had my dad's gravy and told me that mine was better. You know, that that's that's the real, you know, rite of passage. You're like, oh, I'm finally a man now. <laughs> <laughs> you made it. That, that's and what it took. One last <laughs> one. What nationality are you? Um, I guess I would just say American. <laughs> um, we... We got a lot. I've been told so many different things. I'm, I'm a mutt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Irish and Native American are the main ones I've, I've been told. So I'll, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. What nationality, but now we are Americans. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I sure appreciate your time, Joshua. All right. Hey, you have a great evening. You too. Thank you very much. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Moments with Moni. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please share it with a friend and subscribe by sending the phrase subscribe to Moni's Tribe along with your email address to the number 1703-951-3077. That's subscribe to Moni's Tribe along with your email address to the number 1703-951-3077. You'll find this information in the show notes. Thanks for listening.